and good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Joining me on the line right now from District 7, Indiana Representative Jake Teshka. Jake, how you doing, man? I'm well, Casey. How are you? I'm hanging in there, dude. It has been a busy legislative session, to say the least. Um, one, of, I would say probably one of the more contentious, at least from the outside perspective, than we have had in a long time. Usually there's one or two issues, but it just seemed like there was always something that there was massive debate about. Let's talk about constitutional carry first. Constitutional carry survives the House, dies in the Senate like it always does. Liz Brown always kills it off. And the language survived, though, and then you guys were able to revive it. Kind of explain that process. Sure. You're right. Uh, so last year we had uh, passed constitutional carry out of the House. Uh, we like to call it lawful carry. Anybody that's lawfully able to, to possess and carry a, a, a firearm can do that uh, without a permit now, uh, or will be able to. We passed out of the House last year, died in the Senate. We did the same thing this year with House Bill 1077. Uh, uh, this year, Senator Brown did give it a hearing. Uh, however, there was a, a poison pill amendment that was put in uh, in the Senate committee, which effectively killed the bill. Uh, but the language survived because uh, once language passes one chamber or the other, so one uh, either the House or the Senate, uh, it becomes eligible to go into a bill during conference committee. Well, that's like the last two weeks of session where everybody's busily uh, running around the building trying to figure out uh, what language goes where. And, uh, and so this language ended up in House Bill 1296, uh, which I co-authored, and um, we got it done on Tuesday night. Uh, we stayed until, uh, gosh, between 12.30 and 1 a.m. Uh, that night, making sure we got all of this good stuff done for Hoosiers before we got home, and um, and we, we did get that done. And so it's sitting on the governor's desk waiting uh, to be signed. Now, do you expect that the governor is just going to let it sit there and sunset into becoming law after that seven-day period, or do you think he's going to sign it because he has further political aspirations that that might help him in the state? Because he opposes constitutional carry. Yeah, that'll be an interesting thing to watch, Casey. I think uh, I think constitutional carry does become law in Indiana. I don't think that he vetoes this bill. However, I think that it will signal uh, that he's going to run for U.S. Senate if he does sign it. If he just lets it become law by uh, sitting on his desk for uh, for ten days, I think that that might uh, mean that he's uh, he's not going to take up that that race. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, what was it about 1296 that allowed that to get this language in with what 1296 already had in it, allowed that to get through the Senate when you couldn't get the language through on its own merits? Well, the, uh, the issue was that uh, when the bill came out of the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee, it had this amendment in it, and uh, the, the full Senate wanted to vote on a clean bill, and they really needed to, uh, to whip those votes uh, in the meantime. And so... Um, uh, that uh, poison pill that went in in the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee effectively killed the bill over there. Uh, we knew that we had support. It was a narrow support. Uh, we knew we'd be able to get it passed there uh, if we got it into a different bill. Uh, there was an attempt to put it into uh, Senate Bill 209, uh, which I was a conferee on during the conference committee process. Uh, but the House members said, you know what? Uh, the Senate has killed this thing for the last several years. We're not going to let them put it into one of their bills. It's going to originate in the House bill. So that's where we found House Bill 1296 and made sure that it got through. Now, what year are you in when you're actually as a, as a state representative? Because you're obviously city councilman here, but how, yeah. how long have you been a state representative? I'm in my second year, so just finished up my second session. And, and here's the, the reason that I'm pointing this out. And, and, you know, I've known you personally a long time, and we used to work together for a period of time as well. But, you know, the reason that I'm bringing this up is usually you don't see somebody 
it would be considered a, a sophomore or somebody who's as new as you, authoring or co-sponsoring as many bills as you have. You've been very, very active. Did you go into the state legislature with a, a list of topics that you knew needed to be addressed in the state of Indiana, or is this something that just kind of happened organically? Yeah, I sure did. I mean, I went in with, with you know, a list of things that I knew needed to be addressed. Uh, but also, you know, there's, there's kind of this uh, mentality a lot of times that, uh, uh, and I heard it coming in as a freshman legislator, right? They said, uh, some folks said, hey, sit back and watch the process work out in your first couple of years. And, um, and until you get your feet under you and then you can, you can get going. But, you know, that's just not me, Casey. I, uh, I'm naturally a, a leader. And so I wanted to jump out in front of these things, uh, and, and do something. And, and quite frankly, I'm an elected official just like anybody else in that building. Uh, and so I didn't feel like I needed to sit back and, and watch the process uh, before getting engaged. Uh, and quite frankly, I wouldn't be, uh, serving my constituents, uh, to the best of my ability by doing that. And so I think that, uh, for me, um, it was it was easy to jump in and, and get in a mix of things and and uh, and I have offered some bills. I had three bills cross the finish line uh, this year. One may actually get vetoed by the governor, but I think two of them may um, may make it into law. And uh, and it's uh, an ex- exciting process, and I love being a part of it. And I've actually seen your position on some things kind of evolve from what I would have expected you to have. So, I mean, watching you just kind of grow as a, as a human being as well as a politician has been great to see. But you also... I mean, we've had some defeats, I would say, from the population perspective, uh, critical race theory and decent material, things like that being shown to children in schools that didn't go the way that we wanted. And a lot of people are very upset, particularly with the Senate side of things. Talk about those de- debates and battles over those. Yeah, well, you mentioned it earlier in our conversation here. It was a, and certainly a, a contentious year in the state house, and you could feel it. I mean, you could feel the tension uh, between the House and the Senate throughout the entire session. Um, again, we knew that uh, that we had some folks over there that we'd have to uh, we'd have to really twist their arm to to vote for some of this conservative legislation. I mean, we sent them probably the most conservative legislation that we have uh, in an era, right? And and um, and they just couldn't bring themselves to to get it across the line in the Senate, uh, particularly like you mentioned that our our, uh, our our CRT bill, our anti indoctrination bill, parents' rights bill. Uh, I've heard it called all of those things. Uh, essentially. Uh, transparency in our education, letting parents know uh, what's going on in their classrooms. And look, I'm the parent of a of a PHN student, and uh, so I'm certainly concerned about some of the things that I've seen uh, go on uh, locally and across the state. As a member of the Education Committee, I was uh, privy to a lot of this. Uh, we've gotten packets full of this obscene material that's in our school libraries, and so it was really important for me to Again, as a parent, uh, uh, first and foremost, before even as a legislator, to attack this issue, and uh, and so I worked really hard with the authors on 1134. We got that through the education committee, off the floor of the house, and uh, unfortunately, it died in the Senate. Uh, there were hopes that we might be able to resurrect some of that language in the uh, in the um, conference committee time, but uh, at the end of the day, as a as a caucus in the house, we decided, look, we're not going to take a half a loaf on this. We're not going to let folks go home and claim victory on this issue uh, with half measures that don't really protect our children. And so uh, we made it clear uh, to the to our Senate colleagues that we were going to accept nothing less than the House passed version of 1134, and they just couldn't get there. And that's unfortunate because it leaves our children unprotected uh, for at least another year. And then the obscenity uh, thing, we, you know, we passed, I voted on that twice at least, if not three times, to get it out of the House uh, and out of committee. Um, and uh, in the form of 1134, uh, we saw it in the form of Senate Bill 17, 
And then finally, in the form of Senate Bill 1369, we passed that out again late on Tuesday night, and the Senate defeated it, uh, essentially allowing. And and let me tell you, and there's stuff that I can't say on the air here with you that's in these books. I've been through Um, that material, too, and it gets very, very dicey with the FCC when you go it. So I'm I'm very familiar. Um, Yeah, it's. None of that stuff should obviously be in the classroom, but you know this becomes kind of a. There was some criticism about eleven thirty four in particular about the way that it was written, and a lot of people have said, "Hey, reach out to some of these national organizations, maybe Heritage, just as an example, uh, to go ahead and help really nail down some of the language on these things." Is that something that that you will consider doing in the next legislative session, just to help with the bill writing process and maybe get you over that hump? Oh, I absolutely, I absolutely will. I, I'm uh, in, in touch with a lot of these organizations, uh, Heritage, um, uh, Americans for Prosperity, different school choice uh, and school uh, uh, organizations, and, and we'll absolutely be pursuing that. Uh, you know, I think it's key to remember, though, we, we've got to make sure we've got 51 votes in the House, and we've got to make sure we've got 26 votes in the Senate. Uh, ultimately, we'd like the governor to sign that, so that's another person we need, but, uh, but we can override a veto in Indiana. Uh, with a, a simple majority. So we've got a weak governor system. So really all we need is 51 and 26. And so ultimately we've got to get, we've got to get there. Hey Jake, how's the family doing after that scare with that shooting? You know, Casey, they're doing really well. Good. We, uh, uh, we're doing really well. The kids uh, seem, you know, the, the, the blessing I think is that they're uh, so young that they didn't really understand the, the, the real implications of, of that incident. Uh, it was certainly a scary time. And, and you know what, I'm, I'm using this, uh, story as as an example as I go through, as we went through this constitutional carry process. I have a lifetime carry permit. My wife did not, and so uh, she was left defenseless after that. While this guy is still out on the streets, and and so you know, imagining a lot of other folks going through that uh, made me even more resolved to to make this happen this year. Well, Jake, we've been uh, real happy with your representation there in District Seven. We appreciate your time this afternoon. Hopefully, we'll keep doing this on the regular. Thanks, Casey. All right, man. Take care. We got more coming up. News Talk ninety five three, Michiana's news channel.